Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the O Show podcast, episode 463. We are presented by Mayweather Boxing and Fitness in Scottsdale, Arizona. We got Aaron in the house today, man. What's going on? Hey, I'm super excited to be here with you today, and uh, nice that we're able to get this in before you know Christmas and the holidays. It's cr- it's three days away, man. Three it's, days away. I remember as it's a creeping kid, up. I remember as a kid, like the week of Christmas, I'm like, all right, off. I'm not doing anything. I'm not doing my schoolwork. I'm not doing anything. Like it's Christmas time, man. And now it's just grinding, man. Like work, 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 and we love it, right? Uh, Dude, I know it's it's. And I was telling you this before. You know, this time of year for me. Less people, so many companies and, and stuff are shut down. So less people are willing to hop on the phone with me and do sales calls and, and stuff like that. And so I want to keep my name out there, keep doing things, keep active, you know, push. You know, my biggest thing is so when people take time off around the holidays, yeah. you know, it's a holiday, not a whole month, you know, keep pushing. So if I'm not having 10 sales calls a day, I'm going to reach out and get on more podcasts, do whatever I can. So that's right, man. I mean, I, you do this because you love it, right? You know, you're exactly. in, in your line of work because you're passionate about it and you keep on doing it. So I, I yeah. guess the basic thing to do, I don't normally do this, but you have a very intriguing story, inspiring story that I want people in our audience to kind of recognize right off the bat, kind of share about, you know, your story, your origin story about who you are, where you came from and what you do. Yeah. 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 So super quick background on me and overview. My name is Aaron Golub. I played football at Tulane University, where I became the first legally blind Division One athlete to play in a game. When I say I'm legally blind, I have no vision in my right eye, very limited in my left. In my senior year, I was named a team captain, went on to become an NFL free agent. Now I'm an entrepreneur and a speaker, and you know, really excited to be here and you know, add value to your audience today. It's going to be a blast to talk to you today, man, because again, like you are the prime example of someone who said no excuses. I'm going to go after my dream no matter what anybody says. Because I've listened to a few of the interviews you did. Another mutual friend of ours, Jeff Lopes, you went on his show. Yeah. Yeah. I, a side note, I have a call with him at like 2.30 today. Dude, that is unbelievable. <laughs> that is unbelievable. Right before, I got to tell the audience right before we came on, talking about you know Brian Bogert being a great guy in, in the Scottsdale area. I've had him on the show a few times. You're going to be on a call with him right after this. You're going to be on a yeah. call with Jeff. Dude, they are, they are great people, and they've been huge mentors of mine just in the business world and, and become amazing friends. I mean, they've helped me a lot just in the last three months getting to know those guys. So, I mean, yeah. I mean looking forward to those uh, interactions. But that, that's incredible, man, because uh, what, the, I think what I was trying to get to, what was I, with Jeff's podcast, um, you were telling the story about how you started as a third-string lineman on the JV yeah. team your sophomore year. And then you yeah. catapult that into what you ended up doing. Uh, kind of talk about that, you know, yeah. having those early on struggles of not only, you know, having yeah. Ray saying you can't do it, but at the same time grinding through it and finally proving that you were able to do that. Yeah. I mean, even taking a step back from there, growing up in elementary school, middle school, anything, whenever we would play sports in school, out of school, whatever, I was always picked last. You know, I was, I was a terrible athlete. No one wanted me on their team. And, you know, the, that was fine is what it is. But, you know, the challenges come with that as, you know, kids who are picked last in sports now. And that's fine. And I started playing football in seventh grade, was not very good, didn't matter, wasn't the strongest, wasn't the fastest, wasn't the most athletic. At the time, it was about how can you add value to the team? How can you learn? How can you grow? And that's what I focused on. Come sophomore year, I was a third string junior varsity offensive, de- offensive and defensive lineman, barely played. 
and was so sick and tired of it. I was just like, I want to play in college. I want to play division one. And that's just not going to happen for most people. If you're a third string junior varsity athlete as a sophomore, like your sophomore year, if you're going to play division one, you're starting on varsity or at least playing a decent amount. And I found long snapping and I said, I will do whatever it takes. And I realized that if I wanted to play division one football, play at the highest level I could, I had to work 10 times harder than everyone else to accomplish my goals. And so from then on out, I got up at 5 a.m. every day, practiced long snapping, went to school, went to practice with my team, lifted weights every single evening, did that you know, every single day for the next three years until I got an opportunity. Wow, man. And you what, wake up before school at like 5 a.m., which takes a ton of discipline, man, especially. Dude, when- yeah, I got to say, though. I am more impressed with the fact that my parents were willingly driving me to school at that hour. I mean, I, I believe it, man. <laughs> this is what you want to do. Absolutely. We're on board. You have our full support. Yeah. I totally. I totally believe that. And for you to do that, like an hour and a half worth of practice before you even start school, then you yeah. have school, then you lift weights after school, then you have practice. That's a hellacious schedule you were willing to put in the extra work to be that hardest worker in the room, you know, that quote unquote cliche yeah. hardest worker in the room, but you actually did it. At, yeah. at, what, at what point did people start to take notice and think like, okay, like we, we need to take this into, into consideration. Dude, in the beginning it was, it was for most people, I feel like a joke. You know, I said, I want to play in college. I'm going to start long snapping. I'm going to figure it out. No one thought I could do it. I mean, I earned respect of teammates and coaches just because, you know, they knew I was there in the mornings. They knew I was there in the evenings. And so I definitely earned respect. Yeah. However, I don't think people really believed that I could actually do it until I was going on visits to colleges. And so come junior year, you know, end of junior year, I was doing outreach to every single college in the country. And 99% of colleges either didn't respond to me or said no. And when I say outreach, like I would email schools dozens of times. I would cold call them. There were several cases where I would just show up on campus and be like, hey, I want to meet with coaches. And I can get into this story later, but there's one school that I showed up. They were like, hey, the coaches are in meetings for the next four hours. Like, I can see if they can meet with you. Probably not, though. Probably being like, this kid's not going to come back. Walked around the campus, grabbed lunch. Four hours later, showed back up. Waited until the coach would meet with me. I did whatever it took. And eventually, I got, you know, started to get noticed. Went up pretty highly in the national rankings and you know, got offers. And, and that's, I think, wasn't really until then that people really took it seriously. Wow. So when you're reaching out to all of these D1 programs and like you said, cold calling them and trying to get them on board with what you're trying to accomplish in your athletic career, is it like do you have stuff to show them or is it equivalent to like me calling all of these programs and convincing them to want to play when I don't even <laughs> want to play football at all? No, I mean, I had film, I had a national ranking and stuff like that. But, yeah. you know, in the beginning, my national ranking wasn't very high. Once, once it got higher, then it you know, meant more. Um, and so I did have stuff to send to them. The, the tricky part was how do you explain to them that, yeah, I'm a good long snapper, I'm a good athlete, but I'm legally blind. And that was, that was a really tricky situation of how and when to tell schools that. And then, you know, who would give me that opportunity? Who was the first one to kind of give you that quote unquote, you know, foot in the door opportunity that kind of broke everything open for you? So I only ended up from the division one level, which I had a couple offers from other levels, but I I was really stubborn. I was only willing to play division one and you know, it worked out, but that's what I wanted to do. I had offers from Tulane in Illinois. Um, 
And those came around the same time. And I picked Dylan. I mean, I picked Tulane and it was the right school and the best fit for me. Wow. Did you grow up in uh, Northeastern Massachusetts? Yeah. Yeah. Or Boston area. Yeah. Oh, like right outside Boston? Yep. Yep. What what exact town? Uh, Newton, Mass. Newton, Massachusetts. Okay. So uh, my sister went to school in Andover, North Andover by Merrimack. I know that town. And then I have family in Holliston, Massachusetts, which is probably. 50 minutes outside Boston, I would say. Yeah, no, I know both towns. That's insane, man. Yeah, I grew up in Jersey like four hours from me, probably. <laughs> That's awesome. That is an insane, um, insane and inspiring story to tell because you would, what exactly would you do before school when it came to practicing long snapping? Like how many, yeah. how many different so, routines did you have? You know, it was a combination of doing drills with football, working on my spiral, working on my snaps. If my dad was able to come with me, I would snap to him and he would catch them and critique me. If he wasn't able to come, I would snap to a net or to a goalpost and, you know, just try and hit it or get in the right spot and and do whatever I could. And, you know, just practice that. There was a lot of working just on the form without the football. There was a lot of working on the snapping with the football. So it was just a combination of different things and doing whatever it took to get better. When you, uh, in what, around sixth, seventh grade, when you tell your parents that you wanted to play football, were they on board with it completely? Were there any uh, rough curves right out of the get-go early on and just like the peewee stage? Definitely hesitant. Um, yeah. They were nervous. They were unsure. And so were coaches. You know, most people have never worked with athletically someone who has the visual impairment that I have. And so they were definitely very nervous. And even at higher levels, you know, when I start with a new coach, they don't know what to think at first, you know, and, and there is always that initial anxiety and nervousness from that coach, from that individual. And it takes me kind of showing what I can do for them to get over that. Mm, I mean, obviously this is what you wanted from the beginning. So like you have that going for you, like you have the drive and determination and the why, so to speak to accomplish this no matter what anybody said but was there a certain moment like a certain experience that you had that finally like awoken that you know inner demon I'll say to get to that next level and break through into that next year to prove yourself that you could do that at a high level you know I don't think there's a specific moment there I think it's just I wanted it so badly and I was willing to put in the work and I and I decided at an early age that I wasn't going to listen to what other people thought I wasn't going to listen to their opinions I was going to focus on myself and so there wasn't a specific moment but it just it built up day over day you know if I didn't have that passion that drive if I believed what everyone else was saying I wouldn't have done it because if I had listened to others being like, oh, why are you going to the gym? Why are you practicing long snapping? Well, then I wouldn't have done it as much and I wouldn't have made it. But the fact of the matter is I just said, I don't care what you think. It doesn't affect me at all. I know I can do it, so I'm going to do it. And that's what allowed me to push forward. Is that something that you learned insanely early on in life? Or was it through those experiences later on when you had to kind of push and shove and, you know, yeah. the adversity of other people saying, like, this isn't cut out for you? I think that's probably the biggest area where I learned it. However, there's definitely instances as a child, you know, you know, different things where I had to push through certain situations depending on what they were. But I think the biggest lessons for me were in that high school time frame where it was, if I want to accomplish this goal, I need to block out opinions. I need to be creative. I need to work harder than anyone else and do whatever it takes to get there. Were you a good student as well in the classroom? I, like I was okay. Was I was okay. You know, I, 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 I was not, a straight A student, you know, I got some A's, I got mostly B's, I got some, you know, a few C's here and there. Like I was fine. 
I was, I was a good student, but not like an incredible student. Um, I didn't enjoy school that much, to be honest with you. It wasn't my thing. I, you know, super grateful for the experiences I had at Tulane and, and being able to get in there, being able to play football there, being able to have that time. However, and, you know, some people may or may not like this comment, but I, most of what I do today in business, I did not learn in school. Like I learned business from doing business, from being an entrepreneur, from practical stuff. Like there are pros and cons to it. And I'm not saying that you should or shouldn't go to school because it's the right path for some people and it isn't for other people. And for me, it was the right path. It led me to where I am today. However, the best skills that I have, I did not learn in school. No judgments here, man. I, I was floating in C-City my entire academic career, high school, college, everything alike. And I completely agree. I've learned more. I got a journalism degree from GCU, and I've learned more about sales and marketing in the last six months than I did in four years in school, right? Like you're, you're able to, in, in your situation, and you know some financial services as well, like you're learning how to not only take care of your clients, but at the same yeah. time, you're marketing yourself by coming on all, on all these shows, having your podcast yeah. in the past, you know, getting your yeah. story out there, doing public speaking engagements, you know, yeah. that into profitable marketing experiences, you know, kind of get into that just because I'm curious, you know, to pick your brain about how, yeah. how and when you decided, like, I'm going to share my story because this is a going to inspire a ton of people to accomplish their dreams, no matter what their situation is and B, turn it into a profitable situation for you that you're able to do this, but at the same time, take care of yourself and take care of your Yeah, family. Yeah, no, so I had always done a lot of speaking, you know, obviously for free when I was younger. I was on Good Morning America my senior year of high school when I committed to Tulane. I did speaking engagements in college for free when my coaches would ask me to talk for things or go on interviews or whatever. And then it wasn't until, you know, maybe a year to 18 months out of college uh, probably a year out of college where I was like, I want to you know, actually turn this into a business. I want to start making money from it. I want to start impacting other people. I wasn't fulfilled with what I was doing in the financial world. You know, I enjoyed it, but I wasn't, you know, it wasn't enough for me. And, you know, I was fortunate to meet some people that were able to help me get started. And it just built, you know, it started off by starting my own podcast. It started off by going on other people's podcasts, fine tuning how I speak. It eventually led to doing a bunch of TED Talks. It eventually led to me being able to speak on stages at companies, at conferences, at sports teams. <clears throat> it led to me eventually doing consulting with companies ongoing on, you know, leadership development, uh, you know, overcoming obstacles, those types of things. But man, some of the biggest things that I've learned from it are like, how do you do marketing? How do you do sales? What does it mean to be an entrepreneur? What is the art of influence? Like, dude, the fact that I have convinced and I, I say convinced lightly because I think I add a lot of value and I, I know based on what companies say to me I've added value to them but the fact of the matter is like I'm working with some of the largest companies in the world by speaking to them and then working with them like I was able to influence them to do that like it still kind of shocks me like I still get I'm, I'm always amazed I mean I know I have a great story to tell I know I'm a fantastic speaker I know I have a lot of value to share but I'm always so grateful and thankful every time I step on stage in front of a group I'm like man, these people are paying me a lot of money to talk, to share my story, to share my knowledge. Like it's, it's so humbling. I mean, you have a unique story, man. And again, like it's going to sound like a broken record, but it is inspiring. Like you have an influence that other people might not have. And it's so important to be able to 
market your brand, not only on social media, but, you know, on websites and being able to speak in front of thousands of people, whether it be Ted talks or in a gymnasium or at yeah. the stadium or an arena, some sort of venue. And at the same time, like you are influencing people. There's so many people who have like thousands and thousands of posts out there with good content, but they don't, they're not influencing people. Why? Yeah. Maybe a combination of a few different reasons, maybe a thousand different reasons, but yeah. you have a story that connects with people. How, how many um, people uh, give you feedback and how many people would come up to you after, whether it be like a Ted talk or another speaking engagement to kind of show their appreciation and share their stories with you? Yeah, no, a handful. It's, it's usually at least a few, which is always nice. I love hearing from other people, hearing how during that speech, I impacted them, what they took away from it, learning about their background and you know what they're going through. It's always amazing when that happens. And, and there's always a few people who share their story with me after I talk. Um, I mean, it must be full of, like a full circle moment for you in a sense, right? Yeah. Having to struggle and battle all the adversity and you know, the grind, the hard work that you went through. And now you get to see other people picking your brain, being like, I'm going through maybe not the exact same situation, but a similar situation, you know, battling adversity, trying to become this influential leader in a sense, you know, looking to rely on others to kind of morph and and mold themselves into what they want to be and what they see in you, what they see in a Brian Boger, what they see in a Jeff Lopes, you know, like all these other mentors who, you know, I've just mentioned those two names, but who else was kind of a big mentor to you early on? You know, obviously you have your parents who had, had your yeah. their way, some coaches along the way, I'm sure as well. But when it comes to, you know, building, you know, and marketing your brand, who are some of the early on mentors that taught you? Something? Yeah. So someone just to mention from like kind of the football side of things, when I was in high school, this guy's named Steve Burton. He, you know, his entire family played, you know, professional sports. Someone was in the Olympics. Someone was in the NFL. His kids all played, you know, or still play division one sports. Um, and he, he would be there with his son. His son was a quarterback on my team and they would be throwing every morning. And the four people in the gym were me, my dad, him and his son. And he would push me, he would mentor me, and he helped me to get to the next level. So he was a huge mentor. You know, outside of that, and and kind of going into the business world today, you know, some of the people you've mentioned, obviously, Jeff and and Brian are are huge influences and and mentors of mine. I've worked with a bunch of other people in the marketing, in the sales, in the entrepreneurship space, you know, a couple guys or or a few people that come to mind are, you know, Brody Kern and, and Julian Rosen, who run a company called Wake Up Wealthy. And you know, they, they help high performing entrepreneurs to get to the next level. One of my really close friends, his name is Sam Thompson is, you know, really in the growth marketing space. And he's the person who's helped me really grow my brand to, you know, the level that it is now and continue to help me grow it going forward, continue to help me to develop the stuff that I'm developing. And I've just been fortunate to surround myself with people who are smarter than me, make more money than me, further ahead in business than me. And I learned from them. And look, down the road, I may pass some of them. I may not pass some of them. I'll probably go back and forth with a lot of them of you know, who does better each year. And that's totally cool. But the point is, when you can pay for knowledge, when you're willing to pay to get ahead faster, when you're willing to learn from others and say, I don't know everything, then you'll be more successful. I mean, it's all about surrounding yourself and putting yourself in a room with people that think bigger than you. Kind of what you just mm-hmm. said, you know, in a different context. What were some of those exact things? Like, what were some of the key things that some of these mentors taught you that clicked for you that you didn't 
really know going in when it came to marketing yourself and kind of getting yourself out there to influence other people to not only build a revenue and a market for you, but those around you as well? Dude, honestly, everything like from, from the ground up, like I, I came into the world of business of like, I have a great story. I'm a really smart guy. I studied finance. I understand the financial world in that, you know, I can, I can kill it in the financial side of things in that world. However, entrepreneurship, marketing, sales, like that was very new to me a few years back. And I started from ground zero and had to work up and learn how to, how do you sell? It's a different format of selling. How do you literally build your brand and, and build a ton of followers on social media? How do you do outreach and set up different email campaigns? How do you set up systems, funnels? How do you do all that? Like, this is all stuff that, like, I don't consider myself like a tremendous marketer. I don't consider myself a tremendous advertiser or funnel builder or systems builder or whatever, but man, I love to learn. Like what I consider myself is like, I will put in the work to figure it out. And that's what most people won't do. And because I'm willing to figure it out, I'm willing to take the advice that other people give me and say, okay, if I build this system, if I learn to market this way, I will either help more people. I will increase my revenue. I'll, I'll get better, whatever. And because of that, I'll learn it. I'll figure it out. And that's what sets me apart. It's because at the end of the day, you're willing to do whatever it takes to acquire your dream, right? Like, yeah. That's so interesting to me because there's so many people who, again, like start and stop like we talked before. They start, they don't get the viewership, they don't get the following that they thought they were going to get two months in, and then they just fade in, into the shadows, right? But then there's people, you know, I've been doing this for five years. You've been obviously grinding your way through this, trying to figure out different ways to, you know, not only monetize things, but to inspire people, which is at the end of the day going to grow everything um, when you share your authentic story with everybody. What, what are some of those specific things that, you know, you learned in order to grow your brand, grow that presence on social media, grow that presence yeah. with a wider audience? Because like I said before, there are a ton of people out there that may have great content, but they don't know how to market themselves correctly to get it out there in order for people to yeah. see yeah, I think one of the biggest things is lead with value. Like my goal every day is how do I add value to other people? It's not how can I make more money? Like, yeah, every single one of us who listens to this podcast, who's on, like you and I both like, yeah, we want to make more money. Don't like, I'd be lying if I said I did. However, if that's your number one focus, it's going to be so much harder for you to make that money because you're focused too much on it. My focus is how can I impact others? How can I add value to others? And when you focus on that, the money will follow. I promise you. It yeah. took me a long while, a long time to understand that and to get to that point. Um, in addition to that, it's, you know, engage with other people's content, build relationships, like social media, like it's in the, the word. I don't under, like people get weirded out when you send them a DM or when you get, when you have conversations, like it's social media, engage with other people, build relationships, help them grow Like it, it literally baffles me when people don't understand that concept or get annoyed if you message them or, or whatever. And so definitely do that. You know, there's obviously, you know, just when it comes to building systems or building a business, there's so many different tools out there and, and none of them are really right or wrong, but you have to find what's best for you. And you know, I was able to find, you know, different, you know, tech stacks for, you know, my outreach for my marketing, that type of stuff that are, that are good for me that work within my business, but it takes a lot of trial and error. Oh, I mean, 100%. Even at this level, you're probably going through all the trials and tribulations trying to get to that next level. You know, like yeah. for me, it took me forever to figure out, you know, it's about giving in this industry, you know, like yeah. it, 
you know, you could put out all the great stuff in the world. Like, A, nobody could see it. B, it's like, who are you helping? You know, like, are you adding value to anybody's life? If not, you're not going to grow, at least not relatively soon, right? Like, it, it, it's all about helping everybody else get to their path as well because everybody's trying to make it in this world. Like nobody's trying to cheat each other out of, of opportunities. That's not how people grow. Like you grow by helping other people out. Um, you know, you give what you get, you know, at, at, at the end of the day, how, how long or short did it take you to realize that fact when it came to trying to grow everything that you got? It definitely took me a while. You know, at first I was, you know, obviously I wanted to help other people, but I was really focused on like, okay, how do I make this into a business? How do I start making money? How do I sell it, sell it, sell it? And man, it took me a while. Like for, there was a, definitely a period of time where I was doing free speeches and there was a period of time where I was doing speeches for very little money. And it just, it took a while to build up and eventually something clicked. I found the right outreach strategy. I found the right tools, the right systems, the right way to phrase things, the right way to have sales calls, the right way to answer questions. And once I figured that out, things clicked. And I did you know, a lot better this year than I did last year. I expect to do significantly better next year than I've done this year because it's just building and I'm always learning. When was the first uh, TED Talk that you did? Um, so that's, that's, I actually did all of them uh, this past year. And so... What happened was I started speaking more in like 2019. You know, I did a lot of them for free and then I did them for you know, very low price. You know, 2020 hit, obviously the pandemic. So I did you know, a bunch for free. I did a bunch for you know, low price. 2021, I was like, how do I get my name out there more? I was still doing some for you know, a, a low price. I wasn't really doing free ones anymore. Um, and I you know, started doing TED Talks. And you know, I was like, oh, that will help me get my name out more. So I did you know, a handful of them in 2021. And, you know, continue to do it as I did those. I was like, I'm a really good speaker at this point. After I did all of those, after I'd done a bunch of others, I'm going to up my price, you know, a lot. And it just continued to go up and I kept moving it up and up until, you know, now I have a pretty standard fee and eventually that will go up more, but I'm a very competitive fee for a pretty top speaker at this point. And, you know, it's, it just, it took a while to get to that point. It turned, it, it took trial and error. It took you know, willing to do things I didn't want to do. It took, you know, willing to accept less money or no money than I wanted. And, and now I'm at the point where, you know, I am and going to be a top guy in the industry. Right. I mean, you quote unquote paid your dues, right? Like you finally got to that point where you, you've earned it, man. And, and I feel like that's all about repetition when it comes to getting up on stage, telling your story, kind of hitting your key points as to what you're trying to, you know, get to the audience, what you're trying to have them absorb in their brains. Was it nerve wracking the first time you did it? Any public speaking engagement when it came to sharing your story? So for me, honestly, not really, because yeah. I was when I was in high school, like I said, I was on a lot of news you know, sites and, and, and shows and I was on Good Morning America. And that was you know, the most nerve wracking thing I've ever done. I was 17 years old, getting flown to New York, you know, talking next to Michael Strahan on Good Morning America, you know, in front of millions of people. Also, if you haven't seen that before, check it out, because they have me long snap a ball to him there. The wow. turf is not long enough. And so normally a snap is like 15 yards. We did it from like seven or eight and I hit him in the nuts and he fell over on national TV. Funniest thing ever. So anyways, that show, I was really nervous, but like, it was kind of like you're thrown into this light and you either sink or swim. And I figured out how to swim and looking back on it, I don't think I did amazing, but I was also 17 
And so now, you know, I don't get nervous really before talks, but I get really grateful. I get really grateful that they're willing to bring me in. They're willing to hire me. They're willing to have me share my knowledge, share my story. And, and that's kind of the feeling that I feel now. I mean, yeah, it's, it's, that's so funny, man. That's, that's a hall of famer right there. <laughs> right? Yeah. Man, that's impressive. That's an awesome story to tell. I'm going to check that out as soon as we get off. This oh my God. Yeah. I mean, that's gotta be so nerve wracking. Yeah. You know, there, there's millions of people watching Good Morning America. Yeah, and I was 17. Oh, my God. I mean, do you, do you, obviously, you talk about these experiences in some of your talks, but for an example, are there any, like, specific stories that you could tell people coming up to you after shows or DM, DMing you on social media, kind of sharing, you know, not similar things that they're going through, but whether it be, like, depression, anxiety, you know, trying to get to that next point in their careers as, as a leader in leadership. Uh, any of those um, specific stories that inspired you more than others? Yeah. So, I mean, there, there's lots of different ones, honestly, but th here's one that's not really from a talk, but from my time at Tulane. And so this, this mother reached out to our staff and she had a son who you know, had a form of cancer and was you know, legally blind and, you know, losing his vision more and more. And she reached out to us. My coach sat me down. We talked and, you know, I agreed and I wanted to help. And so we brought them in, you know, the next week to the stadium. And, you know, we, we met with the mother and, and her son. We walked them around the stadium, the locker room, the weight room, through all the facilities. I spent a bunch of time with them. And just like the fact that I was able to impact her and her son, like her, her kid in that way like that's what that's what this is all about. Like helping others in those types of situations. Like, yes, trust me. Like I, I help out when, you know, there's someone who's like, I want to get promoted and, you know, make more money and be a vice president. Yeah, no, I'm happy to help. I'm happy to add value there. Like, man, what, what, like, really I love, like, that, that is the story that, that's why I do this, to impact those types of people. I mean, those, those are the things that are going to give you goosebumps. Those are the things that are going to make you keep going on days where you just aren't feeling it. Like, obviously, you have a strong why. I could tell just by talking to you, but there are going to be those days where it's just like, yeah, I don't really want to get out of bed. Maybe like things just aren't going your way that day. Maybe just call it a day, start fresh in the morning. Like those are the types of things that I feel like keep you going to say like, this isn't about me. This isn't about 10 people. This is about thousands of people that are following me and following my journey to get to their next step. Yeah. And you know, one thing that I've learned throughout the years is, you know, yeah, you know, I've, I've become good at business at entrepreneurship and, and I enjoy that, but I also have a very unique opportunity to be a, you know, one of the top speakers there are and to impact millions of people because of my story. And most people don't have that opportunity to really make that much of an impact, that much of a difference. But because of my message and my story, I have that opportunity. And, you know, that's, that's what I strive to do every single day is how can I use my life, my story, my message, what I've been able to accomplish to help other people. So the last thing I'll ask you, I don't take too much of your time. Brian is going to be waiting here in the next 20 minutes or so, but you have... Do you have like a big, bigger goal in mind? Obviously what you're doing right now is kick ass. Like it, it's inspiring to you. It's, it's again, what gets you up out of bed in the morning. Right. Um, and everything's, you know, firing on all cylinders when it comes to, you know, whether it be in financial services, your public speaking engagements, you know, sharing your story aspiring millions across the country, but is there a bigger plan in place, like a bigger project that you have in mind? You know, on the speaking side, I definitely want to be one of the top speakers in the world, 
you know, I want my name to be in the same conversation as people like Eric Thomas, Tony Robbins, Les Brown, Ed Milet, those types of people. That's, that's what I want to be when it comes to the speaking side of things. Outside of that, like I, I love entrepreneurship. I've, I've really fallen in love with building businesses, figuring that out. It's, it's a lot of fun for me. And so, you know, I enjoy building what I'm building right now. And I do have some ideas and some things that will come in the future. Um, and it's, it's just about what is the business that I can build and how can I build, you know, insanely profitable and, and, and revenue generating business is just fun for me. I enjoy it. I like, I like figuring that out and it's not something that I'm inherently good at, like I said before, but I'm, I figure it out. I'm willing to do it. And I think it's a lot of fun. And, and because of that, I learn and I've become decent at it. And that's how you become different than everybody else that studied it in school or, you know, just got perfect grades to get where, to where they are. Cause like, that's not the recipe, right? No, it's the no. experiences you have in like, the actual workforce. The, the amount of people I know who went to school, you know, got perfect grades and graduated either with no job or just like, you know, making $50,000 a year is absolutely insane. The number of people and they're stagnant. They're either, you know, don't have a job for a few years or they make 50 K and, you know, coming out of school, like whatever, it's you know, fine, but they're stay there for years and years and years. And it's just like, do you not want more with your life? Do you not want more for yourself? And the issue is, I mean, there's a lot of problems with the educational system and that could right. be an entirely different episode, but it sets us up to be an employee. It sets us up for that type of life. It doesn't set us up for insane success. And if you want that success, you have to go figure it out and find it for yourself. Right. I mean, they're, they're literally training students to be employees. And when that you're taught that from a young age, like your, your mind is brainwashed into thinking that that's the only route. Right. There's very yeah. few people that get out of that. It's the one percenters that get out of it and think like, I'm going to do what I want to do. It might be hard. It might take me another decade to make the money that some people are making out of school because they have the degree. But at the end of the day, like you're going to be fulfilled and you're going to be way more successful in the long run for it. Yeah. So where can we uh, follow you on social media to, again, just so our audience yeah. knows how to follow you and, again, get on the train, so to speak? Yeah, so my website is AaronGollub.com. Um, my Instagram and Twitter, at Aaron J. Golub. And you know, I'm on LinkedIn, Facebook. I don't really use my Facebook that much. But on all those other platforms, feel free to reach out. Feel free to message me. Always happy to help if, you know, if I can. And, you know, yeah, appreciate you having me. Appreciate all of you who tune in to listen. You guys got to follow this guy right here, Aaron Gold. Thanks so much for reaching out, man. This was a blast talking to you. This was episode 436 of the Osho Podcast. Remember, we're sponsored by Mayweather Boxing and Fitness. Get your membership now. Zach, hit the lights, man. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.